having in? I mean, we just chatted for 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> just secrets of the trade. We're already caught up with each other. <laughs> well, it's good because then, yeah, then we don't have to tell the world about our opinions on Black Mirror and stuff. So it works out. <laughs> True. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Hello, and a very spooky Christmas and um, a haunted new year to you. <laughs> Same to you. It's been so long since we recorded. <laughs> yeah, it's been since October. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we need to, I just forgot about that. We need to re-record that episode um, because we did have an episode on cults, but it turned out to be extremely sad and traumatizing so we're gonna redo it um and then put it together in a way that hopefully won't be triggering that covers the basics but cults are terrible they're they have a dark history yeah it's hard to do our sort of regular chatty fun format when we're talking about cults so we do have to sort of rejig that episode so that you can still hear the story but that it's not us going oh my god and that's crazy Mm -hmm. um because that's not at all appropriate for the subject matter so no yeah it was our darkest one i think since that um religious episode right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it was was... uh, uh, exorcisms (laughs) it was bad stuff anyway so we're gonna redo that one um so there'll be another one probably in the new year for you to check out Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're back to our old uh, format, and we didn't have a theme this week, right? I didn't forget it. Uh, I really hope not, because I did not do a theme. <laughs> okay, okay, good. I I think I thought we maybe were doing another creature episode, so mine might cover the bases, but it's mostly a ghost story. So I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> oh, it was no. Oh no, we did creatures before. Oh no, did I forget? No, I'm it's sorry okay. If I forgot. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll do no, creature no. next time. <laughs> yeah, we can do. No, it's okay. We can do creatures next time. I just I wasn't sure, so mine might have a sort of creature in it because I thought <laughs> I might be able to get away with it. But I'm glad you didn't choose a story about a werewolf or something. Okay, That's cool. Good. All right, alrighty. Uh, um, I think it's your turn to go first because I went first last time with um Mackenzie King. Oh, oh goodness, it's been that long. Because you went first on the cult <laughs> episode, but we're not doing the cult episode now. Yeah. So in order to keep the same order, you have to go first again. (laughs) (laughs) Good memory. I am a goldfish. Um, My one thing that I did want to say is if we ever have a a guest speaker on this, I would like to reach out to Barbara Smith because she just wrote that (gasps) book. Oh my God. I literally, I'm doing a story from her. (laughs) Are you actually? Yes, I love her so (laughs) much. I will will leave the, uh, the fan corner to you. But yeah, I haven't gotten her new book, but I am looking forward purchasing that at some point because oh I my think she's god great. i literally just found out about her because we had so barbara smith is a um she writes books that are based on location usually like best ghost stories of alberta or best ghost stories of washington but she she mm-hmm. has collections of ghost stories from certain locales and she was our front uh of page of the newspaper because she has a new book coming out and i'm very excited about it oh fabulous yeah, yeah I, I desperately want to read that because it's, yeah, because you're right. She usually focuses on an area, but this one's coast to coast. So mm-hmm. it's completely up our alley. Yes. Anyways, so Barbara Smith, if you're listening, please come visit. We would um, love to have you call in, please. We have a, a total of 70 people who listen to us. So I'm sure that's oh. good publicity for you. Fabulous. <laughs> um, okay, so mine is uh, one that I've wanted to do for a long time. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I put it off because it's got different versions. And so I'm going to start with this caveat that it's, I tried to sort of morph the common elements into one coherent tale. Um, but it's got a few different versions that I'll sort of get into. But um, it's called the Baldoon Mystery. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this one. Apparently it's one of the greats, but I had just come across it um, a couple months ago and I haven't really seen it on any top 10 list or anything, but it's lots of fun. So here we go. Um, this story crosses the fields uh, of ghost hauntings, uh, poltergeist incidents, shape-shifting being uh, accidents, and also my personal favorite, witchcraft. <gasps> Oh my god, I love it already. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's that was the thing. I was like, if we did have a theme, I hope this covers my bases. <laughs> uh, so let me take you back. Uh, we're talking about 1829, uh, 1830 to about 1840. Um, I'm going to paint the scene here. So we're in the Great Lakes region of Canada. It's pretty flat, lots of settlements. No cell phone towers, lots of wilderness. You get it. Uh, So the mystery of Baldoon occurred a few kilometers from uh, Wallaceburg, Ontario, which in area called, naturally, Baldoon. Uh, Wallaceburg today has about 10,000 people. It's near Chatham, Kent in southern Ontario, if you wanted to put it on a map. And we're talking about a man called John McDonald. And before anybody asks, it's not the Prime Minister. It's not Sir. He was like, <laughs> it's not Sir John A. It's just John McDonald. I think John A. was probably like 10 or 15 then. Um, so John McDonald came into a piece of land. Um, I'm assuming that he purchased it with doubloons or British pounds. He sold a couple sheep. Whatever the current... Yes, yeah, he traded it for a bearskin. I don't know what the currency was, and it also led me to start. I started to read a paper on Canadian currency um, called "The History of the Canadian Dollar," but it was too long. And so, if somebody knows their particulars on 1830s currency, please phone That's in. That's so funny. You were um, you were really anyways. going for it, and then you were like, "No, I don't have to." I- <laughs> I did that. I was like, this isn't a podcast on Canadian currency. What are you doing? And it was, I, I realized that like we were, we were, I was losing my time. We were coming up to our phone calls and that I hadn't actually gotten into the story. So listen, I'm, anyways, I'm used to you whatever. giving us the exact dimensions of a lighthouse. So I'm very disappointed. <laughs> I, I literally started writing it down and, and how British currencies were regulated by the different colonies in the 1830s. And I was like, nope, we've been here before. <laughs> where I've completely detoured and got into the particulars of Canadian history that nobody cares about except for me. Anyways, so, oh, I should also tell you my sources, probably. Um, So, so yeah, as per usual, um, you know, the regulars, like Cottage Life, uh, Mysteries of Canada. How come Cottage Life has so many haunted stories? This is my question. I think I've cited them now three or four times. (laughs) Like, well, okay. I mean, I guess it's a place to be haunted. A lot of, yeah. Anyways. Um, and then, you know, one that I, is new is Skeptoid.com. Um, right. But that was a great article. So thank you for that, Skeptoid. Anyways, so um, 1830s. John McDonald comes into this piece of land. Everyone wanted it. Um, it was coveted. People called the others in this article, which really scared oh, me, no. uh, started approaching... 
I know, started approaching McDonald's. Uh, and they're just literally just referenced as the others. Um, but they were humans, I'm assuming. Uh, approached McDonald's, making different offers. Um, in my mind, the property has, you know, golden spruce trees or like a waterfall or something. Um, apparently, it's just like a two-story frame house on a big lot of land. But I envision it to be the Shire. So there you <laughs> go. Um, anyways, so... Everybody wanted this land, McDonald got it. The head offerer uh, was just, quote, an old woman, um, she's nameless because there's no identity for women in Canadian history, as we know. <laughs> so that's great. Um, nameless woman folk, um, McDonald refuses. And uh, he's uh, several times, um, so his family moves in. They have a few kids uh, and it's not identified how many kids he has but he's got a couple of daughters also nameless right. we're just gonna call them daughters yep absolutely <laughs> so they move in around like 1829 1830 um and in neil mcdonald's book uh john's son who does have a name uh he apparently chronicled a lot of the haunting activities that began shortly after they moved in so some of this is from neil mcdonald uh, they began being plagued by poltergeist activities uh, shortly after their homestead move-in bliss. Uh, so here I'll give you a list of my favorites, top 10. Uh, dishes of water just started rising from the table. What? Uh, tongs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it only gets, that's like the low level one. <laughs> yeah, I'm already surprised by the first one. <laughs> just, just you wait. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this because this is not my own language. Tongs and shovel shovels would bang against one another at the hearth. <laughs> that is sure. the most 1800 sentence you've ever said. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was trying to find layman's terms, but no. Shovels and tongs. Great. At the hearth. Um, and then we had chairs and tables just spontaneously falling over. Uh, that's number three. <clears throat> number four. This is a quote from Neil's book. Uh, Even that sober domestic creature, the kettle on the hearth, would toss off its lid, tip over on one side, and suddenly, as if seized by unseen hands, dash itself in a paroxysm, paroxysm, yeah, of fury onto the floor. That's oh my god! Tip me over and pour me out. I exactly. It's such poetry, Um, but terrifying. Uh, Number five. Another casual one. A 10-inch knife would fly out of the drawer and into the window frame and stick in the wood <gasps> of the frame. Yep. What? <laughs> Just, you know, yeah, normal move-in stuff. You know, you know days when you just feel a little stabby? Absolutely. Uh, this is my personal favorite, number six. Bullets would hit people as if they were just thrown casually from unseen hands. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, they're just picking up bullets and throwing them around? Yes, I had to, I know, I had to verify that, that people weren't being shot. They were just, no, like, bullets would just be thrown at them. Just like, playfully yeah. throwing a bullet at somebody. That is just horrifying. A, yeah, that is so threatening. A, casual bullet toss. Yeah. Uh, and then they had number seven, uh, stones would break uh, the windows from the outside. So stones would be thrown into the house from the outside. Another good one. Uh, okay. S- small fires would start spontaneously around the house. <laughs> I mean, it's the 1800s. I'm sure that happened quite a bit. <laughs> that was that was my thing. It's full of fire hazards. Um, 
family the family heard strangers uh, marching throughout the house in the middle of the night. <laughs> Good one. Good you don't one. know they're strangers. <laughs> exactly. Or like that could be your dead aunt aunt no, or something. Well, also the 1800s, there's probably a squirrel in there. Like, you know, I just, and that one isn't as threatening to me. But um, number 10, and this one is famously chronicled in a couple of different articles and stories. Uh, McDonald's daughters were apparently working in the barn uh, one day and a couple of the beams fell down, narrowly missing them. Um, and it would have been fatal, obviously, if wooden beams had hit them. So, wow. um, yeah, Neil wrote in one of his diary entries that the crisis came to, um, the big crisis finally came, uh, when a fire burnt the house down with all their possessions inside. Uh, no one was injured, though. The family moved next door to John's father's place. Convenient. 1800s. Everyone lives on the same <laughs> plot. plot. Love it. Uh, but the nonsense continued, uh, so whatever it was that was haunting them continued on at the father's house. And so then they moved out of that place, and they were looking for a temporary home, but they just settled on moving into a tent on their property, apparently. Uh, oh and now God. we're getting to... Yeah, so they were just, like, constantly haunted. Uh, and again, the 1800s, it's probably very cold, tents, I don't know, that's just There's not There's not ideal. a lot of room to haunt in a tent, though. You know what I mean? There's only so much haunting is, you can do in a tent. This is my thing, right? Um, and again, like your whole family in a tent. It's, oh, man. Anyways, so they were in this tent, and uh, we're getting into some of my other favorite parts. So <laughs> apparently this guy named Robert Barker, uh, who was a local school teacher and Ghostbuster, came over to perform an exorcism on the house. And surprise, the school t- teacher wasn't able to remove the spirit. Shocked. Um, And then there were other people like a British army captain, a local witch doctor, and then others who tried to come over and fight whatever the demonic presence was. Um, Again, absolutely no luck. They were still haunted in their tent on their property. So the McDonald family at its wit's ends. Um, Finally, a friend told them about this woman who is gifted in stone reading. Do you have any idea what that is? Stone reading? (laughs) Yeah. Is it like runes? I feel like that's a Hermione Granger subject. Ancient runes. Was rock reading? Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Because it's not crystals. Like, they specifically said stone reading. So they're not, you know, consulting amethysts or something. I I don't know. It sounds a little more ancient. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Anyways, there was this young woman who was gifted in stone reading. So... McDonald and his family traveled over 80 kilometers to seek her out, uh, which in that day and age was a very long way to trek. Um, and she she had already, when they arrived, she knew all about their troubles, all about the land dispute, because she's obviously a seer as well. Um, and so this woman, who I'm calling, because she's also nameless, Great. the queen of the, non-sec- the non-sequitur, <laughs> asked if they had seen a weird bird on their property. <laughs> Sure. Um, and McDonald said, absolutely. Uh, heck yes. There's a goose with a black head. What? Which, yeah. So he had seen a goose with a black head on his property. That's not that but weird, is to, it? That's a Canada goose, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I was just trying to think of like, I don't think I know I can think of another goose without a black head. <laughs> So anyways, uh, anyways, he saw this goose with, yeah, dark feathers on its head. 
Um, and she said, great. That's what I thought. Uh, go home, craft a bullet out of silver, and shoot it. <gasps> no, and, no, no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, because the bird is your enemy's proxy, or it's one with the enemy, or anything. Anyway, so the bird is evil. Um, so if they shot it with this silver bullet, which I didn't think worked on geese, just werewolves, but that's fine. <laughs> well, any um, gun would work on a goose, but just it doesn't have to be silver. Good point. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's it's possessed or demon. I don't know. Anyway, so John says, "Great, that's easy." He probably paid her with some of his doubloons or something, and then he traveled back um, and then crafted the bullet. He went down to the river one day on their property, saw the bird with the black head, again, the endless mystery here, shot it, um, but he hit the bird's wing. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so he only hit the the wing of it uh, and broke it, so it wasn't fatal. Thank God. I wouldn't be telling you this terrible story if he killed that bird. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. No geese snuff stories here. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, so the bird was injured. And later that day, same old day, McDonald was walking by, uh, if you remember, nameless old woman from the beginning. <laughs> he was walking by her house. And apparently she was sitting on the porch muttering curses to herself. <gasps> she cursed them. She cursed them. She cursed them with the bird. And hang on, she was sitting in her rocking chair, nursing a very fresh, broken arm in a sling. Wait, what? And she, yeah, she was sitting on the porch and she had like a very fresh, broken arm that was wrapped up in a sling. And she was sitting sitting there muttering to herself curses. And when she saw McDonald, um, she recoiled and apparently, from then on, no other spiritual manifestations occurred at the McDonald property, oh. and peace fell My on God. the region once more. Shoot. Yes, I love that. I love that so much. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. And that is the Beldoon mystery of Wallace Bird. Yes, yes, yes. Yep, I love it. She is an animagus. She turns into it's because animagus have markings. Right? And so it's a black yeah, head. Absolutely. Oh my god. Absolutely. She was a witch. I love it. Yeah. And her, okay. yes, and she chose to masquerade. So here's yes, what ahead. I want to know now. <laughs> Why did she curse them? Because this is what I was trying to find ha- out. Maybe they, they did <laughs> something really bad. I know. I was trying to figure that out too. Because as much as she wanted the property, that's a whole lot of curses to pile onto a family just because they got the place, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> or, like, was it that maybe her family had lived there? Like, maybe it was her ancestors' home and they had taken it because it was, a, like, they were Scottish settlers, right? right? So, I don't know. I, I was trying to find that backstory, and in my few hours today, I could not find it. But I'm going to look into it because, yeah, it's, like, throwing bullets, setting fires. All of that is a whole lot just because you didn't get to own this property, <laughs> There's got to be some. But yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Maybe there's something on the property that she wants. Maybe. Like there's something buried there. Or like bird snacks of some kind. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah. It's the best flying zone. <laughs> exactly. All right. Just like, yeah. Or, or there's other birds or geese that flock there and she wanted to just be close to her friends. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I like how the wind feels beneath my wings in this field. 
<laughs> I must have it. Damn you, McDonald's. <laughs> I must have it. Amazing. Oh, I love her so much. I wish she had a name. I know. I, I was so mad that none of the female characters had names in that story. <laughs> Just, you know, even, I'm sorry, they even had the name of the, the school teacher who came to perform a amateur exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> but not the daughters, not the old lady. It's fine. It's fine. None of the women. No, it, not a single woman. It's great. Way to go, 1830s. <laughs> cool. Anyways, so that's my tale. I love it so much. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much for sharing. You're so welcome. All right. What do you got for me? I have for you the most Canadian ghost story in the history of Canada. Yes! I love it. Does it involve a moose? No. Okay. No, it doesn't. It's all right. I try. It involves the haunting of the Hockey Hall of Fame. <gasps> really? Yes, it's haunted. I'm I'm not surprised, but I've never heard this story. Ooh, I'm excited. Okay. Okay, so the reason I found this story was because Barbara Smith, in the interview that she did for Post Media, yes. talked about how she loved this story because it's just the most Canadian thing she's ever heard. Amen. Um, and so then I was like, I need to know the story now, and I don't have your book yet. So I Googled it. Um, so the rest of the story all comes from a Toronto Star report by Paul McLaughlin, who did a lot of, uh, a lot of sleuthing to find out a bunch of stuff that we had not previously known about this story. Mm. So... So in the 1990s, there was a harp player named Joanna Jordan who was playing a gig at the um, at the Hall of Fame. This was before it was it became the Hall of Fame in 1993. Before that, it was um, a, a Bank of Montreal and then sort of just like a an events venue that you could rent out. Just one of those old pretty buildings that you could have like weddings or concerts or whatever in. Mm -hmm. So she was. It was before 1993, but in the 1990s, um, she says. And she was uh, playing harp at an event there. And she went up to the second floor, and she says she saw a ghost looking down at her from the ceiling um, on, the, on the second floor, which is an odd place to see a ghost. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Normally they behave sort of human-y, and they just, like, wander around on the floor so I kind of imagine, I just saw, like, the new Spider-Man movie, so I sort of imagine her, like, up in the corner. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, looking down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, but it was a female ghost, she says. Um, and so she refused to go up there by herself after that. The Hall of Fame is on the uh, corner street. For those of you who are not Toronto familiar, big old building on the corner of Young and Front. My notes are all over the place, so this is going to be fun. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, you know how I appreciate the geography, so thank you. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, it's, its roof is exactly sized as... No, I'm kidding. Um, so this ghost is known as Dorothy. Um, <laughs> the story goes before this article... So people just sort of knew that she had um, killed herself in the building at some point between the 1900s and the 1960s. Nobody was really sure when. Oh, God. Um, uh, yeah, until this Toronto store report by Paul McLaughlin, and he did all of his sleuth, and now we know more. So he dug around and found out that her name was Dorothy with an E-A, though it had been previously spelled with a Y when people talked about it. Her name was Dorothy May Elliott. She was 19 years old and she worked at the bank 
and she shot herself in the morning on Wednesday, March 11th, 1953. She died 22 hours later at St. Michael's Hospital. There was a teeny tiny brief in the newspaper that day about it, and they said that doctors were surprised that she had lived that long. Um, yeah. And, yeah. So the oh. Toronto... Tel- yeah, the Toronto Telegram reported that um, she was an attractive young brunette, which reminded me a lot of when Senator Orrin Hatch called Dr. Christine Blasey Ford an attractive witness. Like, sure. is that what we're talking about right now? Yeah, <laughs> does, absolutely. Does that matter? Anyway, so the Telegram that day, the day that she died, reported that she had been um, despondent over a love affair and that police were investigating what they thought happened. And the Toronto Daily Star, which later became the Toronto Star, reported that she was very lonely after her boyfriend left her to take a job on the boats, whatever that is. I'm sorry, just the boat? like Just the boats. <laughs> just wearing a, wearing a stripy shirt and a little lopsided hat. <laughs> Gen- gen- generic boat okay just pulling some ropes don't know Love what they're it. doing um, zero idea yeah so that was basically all that was known at the time and so for years and years there were lots of rumors as to what probably happened or might have happened some people thought that she had been uh that she had been caught stealing money some people thought that she was embezzling money for the rush the irish republican army um some people <laughs> which is an odd <laughs> All right. That's, I'm sticking with that one because I love it. Okay. Yeah, that one's, I love it. Um, some people thought that she uncovered a scheme between the bank manager, a judge, and uh, like a person at the police, like a, the police commissioner or something like that, um, to steal Ooh. money from the bank from farmers' accounts, um, which would have been oh. very cool. Um, but yeah. that is not what happened. <laughs> it would have been cool, though. Um, so the truth was that she was having an affair with a co-worker who may or may not have been her boss. We're not sure. But he was married. And apparently he had an apartment in the bank. And I presume that means just in the same building as the bank and not in in the bank. Because <laughs> um, that's a really weird place to live otherwise. Still a weird place to live. I didn't really realize that people would have lived in that building. But apparently that's where he lived also that's a really bad place to live i feel like you wouldn't want to live near a bank particularly not in 1953 when bank robberies happened every other day seemingly exactly (laughs) like john mulaney does a bit in his stand-up comedy where he says like it used to be so easy to be a bank robber that people wouldn't even wear a mask or anything it's just as long as you weren't there when the cops came they didn't catch you Because they couldn't find you. People would, like, have... They'd, like, walk into the bank and be like, Hi, I'm, like, old man Zucker, and I'm here to steal your money. Like, they'd just fully say their names. <laughs> they'd, like, get dressed oh, yeah. up. Uh, so I feel like that wouldn't be a good place to live. Well, oh, yeah. Or I was going to say, even... Be- or just before the advent of, uh, of computers and, and, you know, social media and everything else, you could probably just get away with it in one of those president's masks. But nowadays, with facial recognition and everything Yeah, else, yeah, yeah. You're doomed. Yeah, you, can't, you can't do it. <laughs> So it happened, yeah, it seems like a weird place to live. But anyway, Dorothy, um, so they interviewed her managers and a bunch of her friends like decades later after all this. And she was described as beautiful and popular. People said she looked like the actress Rita Hayworth. Um, oh, my. Yes, very pretty. Um, they called yes. her the life of, par- life of the party. And then one of her female co-workers described her as the men liked her, eh? <laughs> 
Succinct. I like it. Okay. Which is an interesting way to describe someone, but all right. Um, she was, she had a bit of a sad story. She was orphaned by the age of nine. Her parents died a couple years apart. Um, yeah. And so I guess what happened was, um, she came into work very, very early and everyone was teasing her for coming into work so early. And I don't think that they realized that whatever happened with the guy that she was seeing from her work, like had broken up over the weekend and so she stole the bank's revolver because they keep a revolver there for bank robberies and she took it up to the second floor and shot herself and then um somebody found her and they called the police and then uh that's when they took her to the hospital and she died 22 hours later horrifying okay yeah so really really sad now so she apparently she haunts the building um people have said that they see flickering lights which in an old building Sure. Doors opening and closing. Yeah, seems feasible. Moans and screams and sometimes sobbing, which is less um, attributable to an older building, but heartbreaking. Really sad. People hear footsteps when no one else is in the building and people report um, feeling like they're being touched by a hand on either their shoulder or their leg. Um, Oh, don't like that one. Yeah, don't touch me. Um, Don't touch me. Nope. And then there was one, there was a special events supervisor who used to work there, and he said that he was in the kitchen early one morning to get coffee, and he felt like he was being watched, and then he says he felt enticed, that was the word he used, to go into the dining room. (laughs) Which is scary, I don't like that. I don't like it when when ghosts seem to be able to control your decisions or feelings. That's not a good one for me. I'm... I mean, I, I don't know. I'm often enticed to go into the kitchen because that's where the snacks are. So no, I, yeah, but I she's it. going into the dining room. <laughs> Not the, he's he's in okay. the kitchen. He's being enticed to leave the kitchen, which is scarier. Okay. No, I hate that. I'm yeah. That. Um, <laughs> that's where the snacks are. Um. Anyway, so he goes into the dining room, and um, one of the chairs was turning around on its own. <laughs> oh. Lord. And then it pushed itself into his hand. Pass. <laughs> um, and so oh. he was like, I got out of there so fast. I hated that. And then, um, so other than uh, the harpist from the beginning, only one other person has actually seen Dorothy in some sort of corporeal form, or at least human-looking form. Right after the Hall of Fame opened, sometime in the early 90s, a boy who visited with his family started screaming, don't you see her? Don't you see her? And, oh, I just got chills. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he said that he saw a woman with dark hair floating in and out of the walls. Oh, I don't like that. No. Yeah. And he had to be, like, calmed down and stuff. So, yeah, that's... Um, that's the story of the of the Hall of Fame. Her family decided not to speak to the Toronto Star for the article, um, and they have said as a like a family statement that they don't they don't like that she's sort of become this object of of fun for people, which is I think something that we don't think about very much is like, especially when because a lot of the stories are 
like the 1800s and so Mm -hmm. it's sort of like every like everyone they knew and who knew them is also dead Mm -hmm. but yeah like for people who died in the 1950s and in a kind of a horrific manner like that it must be kind of hard because there are probably people still alive who knew her and um or who only just recently passed who knew her um mm-hmm. so yeah it's interesting i can't remember i feel like there was a book or a movie that sort of s- talked about that like at what point do you or like are you f- sort of forgotten or your legacy just mm-hmm. well and i mean you know we talk about things in sort of an irreverent fashion because mm-hmm. that's who we are but no, it's a really good question because, you know, that's right a lot of the time. It's, well, in my case, my stories involve nameless people from the 1800s. Yes, exactly. But no, it's, but when we, you know, when we talk about more contemporary or when it's, yeah, somebody who's named, it is an interesting question of, like, how, how ghost stories can contort their memory or their legacy for those who knew them. Yeah. Right? And there's so, so much speculation around these stories that some of it isn't positive and some of it is very strange and... Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting to think about that, actually. Yeah, well, and especially in a case like this where, like, she was 19 years old and potentially, like, she was at least dating a co-worker, but that person was probably her boss. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, she's just this really young woman who's getting screwed over by this married man. Yeah, that made me, yeah, just that mm-hmm. last line, it was weird. I just read the whole article about her, and I just found it all so fascinating and interesting. And then that, that was the very last line of the article was like, oh, her family didn't want to respond. And they also f- don't want her to be made fun of. And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that, that's fascinating. I had no idea, A, that it had that history. But B, like I would have assumed that it was, you know, hockey related. But of course, those old buildings have such history to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, because also, and oh, I mean, the Hall of Fame moved. So it was like it was somewhere else before. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, all these old buildings have have all these little secrets in them. And I've walked past that building a gajillion times and never known yeah, what was absolutely. in it. So. Oh, that's riveting. Um, the other thing, I mean, it's reminding me a little bit too, again, because I, you know, my stories often because they're, they're older have these nameless people. But I'm, I'm also thinking the other angle of that, like she is named, but it was reminding me as you were telling that story of the terrible Cookie Baron story. Right. Um, and locking his mistress up in in the mansion and things like that and how she was she was nameless and I just think like the opposite is kind of true. Like sure you can you know, if her family felt like she wasn't being honored properly, that's terrible. But at the same time, some of these stories don't name these key characters because they are women, it seems like, which also I think is is horrendous because we should know their story. Right, so yeah. Especially like, when yeah. something really awful happens to them and it's inflicted by somebody else it would be nice to know yeah like maybe maybe well, there's yeah, a little yeah. bit of protection in the anonymity but at the same time it's like I, just all these bad things happen to women who don't have names which sort of dehumanizes them and makes us feel like oh like shitty things just used to happen to women well yeah and it objectifies them a little bit like in that case she was cookie baron lover right like she didn't have any identity i know nothing about her i don't even know her her hair color or where she was from like we know nothing right so i just i don't know interesting to think about mm-hmm. oh that's so sad i know dorothy. little dorothy um yeah yeah and, that, and then it made me feel weird i like because again like she had just been given the name dorothy so somebody must have mm. known that it was kind of her but through the whole all of the different iterations of the story before the toronto star did this report she just got to be dorothy mm. and like no one knew who she was but then they like they found her name and i'm like i don't know if that makes it 
better or worse to like like getting her name out there so that we can like know what happened to this like poor woman who was apparently lovely and beautiful and and the life of the party but at the same time like her family doesn't I know I don't know that they don't want her name out there but they just don't want people making fun of her so yeah well again you know I think we make a lot of fun of a lot of things I hope we don't make fun of when you know people make tragic meet tragic ends due to terrible circumstances so yeah 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 the- but she was she was obviously wonderful and lovely and, and very beautiful she looked like goddamn Rita Hayworth but <laughs> right um, also the 19 the 1950s working at a bank good for her mm-hmm. like Good grief, lady. Yeah. All right. I know that's sort of, I know that they had a discussion about that on My Favorite Murder too, where they were like, yeah, I mean, cracking jokes when you're dealing with things that are kind of dark is one way of coping with things, but you just also have to make sure that you're not cracking jokes at the expense of someone who suffered, which is something that they do very well on their podcast, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Really, like, differentiating yeah. between, like, you're making fun of the piece of shit who murdered someone versus, you know, not making fun of of the victim yeah absolutely i will mock people who think that shooting a canada goose fixes their problems any day any day, day. but yeah especially if they miss but yeah <laughs> yeah especially if they just clip the wing like and, and you know what's scary about that is he would have been that would have been part of his livelihood in the 1830s right yeah you gotta be shooting a good shot hunt- in the 1830s yeah you gotta be a good hunter, I'm guessing. I don't know. <laughs> oh, good grief. Yeah. All right. Well, those are good ones, man. Thank you. And look at us. We're at, like, a normal human length of a podcast. <laughs> I know. I I know. I was thinking of, you know, spewing out some nonsense, but I'm glad that we're, yeah, it was very concise. Yes. Excellent. Good for it's us. a little tight episode. <laughs> All right, boo. Um, yeah. So next week, maybe I'll try and do an animal thing. Or like a, a creature, a creature feature. Yes, I, th- I think that'd be a good one. Because the last one, what did we do last time? It was Mackenzie King um, and the tower. Or the lighthouse. Sorry for the the creatures. What did we do last time? Oh, I did um, I did Uf, a UFO sighting and you did the northern passageway I did the, people. Yeah, the, the wolf that only ate people's heads or something. Right. <laughs> yes. It's a good thing we're learning <laughs> right, so much. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, really teaching ourselves things. Um, right on. Okay, so yeah, let's do Creature episode next time for the new year. And we'll um, re-record the cult yeah. episode. We're saying this on the podcast yes. so that we actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. And uh, all right, booze, we'll have a wonderful end to your 2018. Thanks for stopping by and keep it spooky or something. Keep it, keep it spooky. I love it. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye, boo. <laughs> Our great theme song is Ghost Baby by the Crips. Yes, that's Crips like Crip Keeper and not like the gang. If you'd like to contact us, send us an email at heyboopodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>